Would you turn, please, in your Bibles to the New Testament book of Colossians, chapter 2, and verse 8. Colossians, chapter 2, and verse 8. And uh, I'm just going to read three verses this morning uh, as, we get, uh, as we get into the Word of God. I, I have several things, and I, you know, I think... Uh, I, sometimes, I, you know, on weeks in which we have LifeGate, sometimes I forget which uh, bulletin I was working off of. We have two. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I put an outline in this one or not. I, I did last night. Okay, we don't. Okay, well, you're just going to have to be on the ball this morning. Take your notes. But uh, in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, reading here, the Bible says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. You know, if I was you, I would underline that. You are complete in him. In other words, I don't want to get ahead of myself too far, but you don't need anything else but God. He completes you. He totally completes you. There isn't one little iota, one little item that God has left out of your, of your, uh, of your spirit that would walk with him. Verse number 10, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I have, uh, for several years, I've had an iPod. Actually, this is, this, this is like an iPod. This is actually my phone. But an iPod looks just like it. Only thing, I think it's just a tiny bit smaller. And I, I love my iPod. I travel with it all the time uh, because I have 23 hours of music on it, uh, which isn't even close to filling it up. And so I have this music, and I, I enjoy listening to it. I can choose what I like and all of that stuff. I listen to it uh, quite a bit. And there is an option on my, on my uh, I, uh, I, iPod. You got iPhones, iPods, iPads. So, you know. Uh, okay, I'm talking about the uh, iPod. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. Uh, Anyway, I'm talking about my iPod, and there's a little there's a little symbol on there. You guys, put that symbol up there, and uh, when I click on this symbol, uh, that's going to be coming up here in just a moment after the church app. There, when I click on <laughs> now my i my i uh, pad, pod does not do that. Did you get the little wiggly thing as I'm talking about? What's not up there? <laughs> see, I'm going off that. We've got one back there that I can see. But anyway, that's okay. Guys, don't worry about it. But when I click on that, here's what it does. It'll play all night long. It begins playing, and it starts at the first album, whatever's in there. It'll play all night, all 23 hours. I never sleep 23 hours at night. But if I did, it would play all 23 hours. It just keeps on going and going and going and everything like that. And the reason I put that up there 
The reason I put that up there is because Paul is a lot like, the Apostle Paul is an awful lot like that, that icon. He keeps coming back to the same things several times during, the, uh, during his writings. No matter who he's writing to, he will come back eventually to some of these same things that he talks about and these themes. And one of these themes, a key theme with, theme with Paul's writings is Christ is enough because Christ is the ultimate of our life. He's not just sort of up there. He is the ultimate of our life. There's no higher truth. There's no other source of complete fulfillment outside of Jesus Christ. And there are people today, and you know them, you probably have friends that may very well fall into this category. And friends that are searching, they are looking for wisdom, they are looking for meaning, they are looking for purpose in their lives, and they do all kinds of things. They, 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 many other things that are going on in their life, and they never get satisfied. Christ satisfies. Christ and our walk with him will completely satisfy your life. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3, just a little bit earlier in this chapter, says this, In Christ are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to know wisdom, you want to know knowledge, you want to know understanding, it's in Christ. It's in Him. Right there. The fullness of God is in Jesus Christ. And it's only in Christ that we're able to find the answers our soul craves to search for satisfaction, we find it at the feet of Jesus. You know, today's world is filled with a lot of ideas. I'm telling you, if you're on social media a little bit, you, you can, oh my goodness, you're going to find everything under the sun on that. And sometimes I sit back and said, should I even be on this? And I kind of wonder, I, I don't spend that much time on it, but as you just thumb through page through fairly quick, you can, I mean, there, there, is, there is scores and hundreds of ideas for you to consider and you to believe in all of this thing. And these ideas, and we need to continually consult God's word for his knowledge, for his grace, for his wisdom. I want to pull apart these verses just a little bit here with us this morning before we close out. And in verse 8 is the word that Paul uses here. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. Philosophy is a word that is made up of two words, really, and they stuck them together. Phileo means to love. It's a, it's a, we see that in a variety of other places in the New Testament. It means to love. And the, the last part of that, Sophia, means that we want wisdom. In other words, it is the love of wisdom. Now, philosophy is, uh, you know, you can study that in, in college. You can, get a, you can get a degree in philosophy, but I'm going to tell you, the majority of the people that are, quote, philosophers, are people who do not believe in Christ. Or they're agnostics or something like that. Now, there, I, I, I know there's exceptions to that, too. But you need to understand that these people, are, these people are searching for wisdom. The problem is they never find it. I like to read the late Francis Schaeffer and some of his books. He was a philosopher. He was searching for wisdom. And guess what? He found it. He found it in Christ. And so he spent his life 
He spent his life developing his, his, his heart and his life and his writings that reflected Jesus Christ. In the 1800s, a German philosopher named Friedrich Nietzsche was known to scorn Christianity. And he was among the first to declare that God is dead. And because he declared that, he began to examine his own life. He looked at his own life. He looked at, he, he really, this guy was a downer. Just a simple downer. He looked at his own life and he could see so little value in it. He saw nothing but confusion in life. And he, he came to this conclusion that the best way that a person could live life was if they would be fortunate enough to go mad. Now, I mean, this guy was out on the limb there quite a ways. You understand this? And yet he did a lot of writing and he's influenced a lot of people too. Well, interestingly enough, the last 11 years of his life, uh, he got his wish. He went totally insane. He lived the last 11 years of his life in, a, in an insane asylum, just absolutely crazy mad. Because he did not seek Christ. The city of Colossae, in which Paul writes this, had its share of philosophers running around and the church there was facing some real dangers of being infiltrated by false teachings, and, and this continues today. This didn't stop with the writing of the New Testament. It, it just continues on. It takes different shapes and forms and all of this. We face it today. We see it today in a lot of other areas. You realize, I just heard this on the radio, and I read something about it in Air Force Base, I believe in Wyoming, and, and maybe this is widespread through the Air Force, are now replacing the Bible with what they call a book of faith. Okay. I'm okay with a book of faith as long as I wrote it. Because I know what goes in it. And it will lead people to faith in God. But if anybody else is writing that thing, I don't want anything to do with it. And by the way, didn't God give us a book of faith? It's a pretty good one. And he says it's flawless. There's no mistakes in this deal. It's not going to goof you up. It's not going to confuse you. It's going to lead you in the right direction. All of these things. And God says, here, here's 66 books. Read them and you'll discover. You will discover purpose in your life. And the best thing of all, you're going to discover God. You're going to learn about his son, Jesus. You can know how to have a relationship. And the work and power of the Holy Spirit is going to engage your life. No book of faith is going to do that. But we are up against those things today, are we not? We see it in our culture around us. We see it in so many different areas. Is to move God off the scene and get humanity into the scene and other, other things. Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive. And he's telling us here to keep on the lookout. Do not relax your vigil. And this is one of the dangers. Saints, let me tell you something. I think this is one of the big dangers of the church today. And, and can I say this? And I hope I can say this without somebody getting confused about it. But I honestly believe this with all of my heart. We have a great church here at Faith Community Church. We have a great church. Let me read to you about it just a little bit. I'm going to read a little bit from, from the book of the Revelation, chapter 2, talking about the Ephesian church. Now listen to this. 
He says, I know your works and I know your labor, your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil. Okay, we're okay so far. And you've tested those who say they are apostles and they are not, and you found them to be liars. Okay, we're so... You persevered, you've had patience, you labored for my name's sake. You have not become weary. Nevertheless, and I'm telling you folks, this comes crashing in onto my spirit right now. It comes crashing into it. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. Now I'm going to clarify what I'm going to say. He says, you've left your first love. This is why this word is important. Hear me, saints. We can have so much going for us, so many things happening, so many good things happening. But folks, let's not lose sight. Let us not lose sight of that first love. It's Jesus. Now, I'm not accusing anybody of that, but there is a danger here. You, you follow me? We can become comfortable in our religion. We can be comfortable in our faith and our walk with God and all of these things. We can become comfortable. I want us to be people that are not necessarily, I can lean back, I can take my ease in Zion and all of those other phrases that you can think of. I want to press into God. I want to hunger and thirst after that righteousness. That's just not for baby Christians. That's for me. And that's for all of us here in the room. I want to press in with God. I want to know him. I just believe I don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. I just believe with all of my heart that he's got something else for me. I just believe with all of my heart that, that there is something that he's going to continue to satisfy in my life because I'm hungering for him. I'm longing for him. I want him. And that keeps us away. That keeps us away from this, this danger of familiarity with God. You know, all through the Old Testament... And you'll read about this, especially in the Minor Prophets. People like Amos and Joel and, and uh, Nahum, those guys. There's 12 of them. And one of the things that God kept warning them, he said, now be careful here. He says, I want you to love me more than just sacrifices. Remember that? He says it a lot. That comes on a lot. I want you to love me. I want your heart I want your heart to be just plugged in to the things of God rather than just go through the rituals, the routines, all of these things. All of these things are, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying if we're not careful. We come to a place where we replace that genuine, incredible love relationship with Jesus with something else. And it's so subtle. I don't believe God was just mad with, uh, crazy mad with the Ephesians. I don't believe that at all. I believe this was a warning shot. He said, be careful. You've got a lot of stuff going for you. But be careful. Be careful. That you do not lose that first love. What was it like when you first came to Jesus? What was it like when you realized 
my sins are forgiven. I've been set free from this bondage. What was it like when he set you free and set you up like that? I mean, I can remember mine pretty easily, and I, I'll tell you what. I didn't think my feet could touch the ground for days. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that. And it's easy to do. Let me press on. The word here, taking captive here, means to spoil and capture just like a slave. In other words, somebody, somebody who's been set free, and all of a sudden they're captured, and they're bound. This is a powerful word. They're bound, and, 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 and they're taken down. And they no longer have any freedom. They know there's, there's an emptiness that begins to creep into their lives and their hearts. My wife and I have an acquaintance. And uh, two students that were graduates of Trinity Bible College when we were there. And, and we love both of them, and we still do. And over the past few years, though, they've had trouble in their home. And different things have been going on. And uh, there was... Uh, an, an unfortunate separation in their marriage. And his wife, her name is Cheryl, she has gotten into some false teaching deep. And I've seen it. I've seen it. And I've, we've talked with her and we've spoken with her and everything like that. We've communicated with her on several occasions. But she, she was not diligent. She was not watchful. And she's allowed, she's allowed some, a, a brand of false teaching to creep into her faith. And it's, and it's just beginning to, it, it's become a very corrosive thing within her life. I, I see what she says now. And I see, the, if you will, the corrosion on her faith. And we've spoke with her, we've pleaded with her, and everything like that. We've given her uh, counsel on how to read this area very carefully, read these things very carefully. You'll see it, and everything like that. Acts chapter 15, the church was just a baby church. It was just an infant church, and it was facing some of these things. The church came alive. The church came into prominence when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred. And Jesus Christ became so incredibly real in people's lives. People surrendered to Christ. They became the real deal Christian. But then all of a sudden, <clears throat> some of the Jewish people that were surrounding them said, look, if you really want to get favor with God, it's okay to do this Jesus thing, but you also need to add some of these other things of the Jewish faith. You need to add this and this and this. And you'll read about it in Acts chapter 15. It's called the Jerusalem Council. And they had this big meeting and everything. And the Bible says, do not be once again put on a yoke of bondage. And that just pops off the page for me. Don't allow a yoke of bondage to be put back on you. And, the, and to have somebody say, you know, it's okay to have Jesus, but you also need this too. No, you don't. No, you don't. Christ is the ultimate. Christ and him alone is the ultimate. I'm going to kind of move along, guys, back there, so just kind of watch with me. He talks about the traditions of men and the elementary principles of the world. I want to just cover this really briefly here, but dealing with the traditions of men, just because people have believed something and then handed it down through the years does not necessarily make it truth. 
Please understand this. In fact, it's a good way to certainly perpetrate error. Elementary principles of the world is speaking about abandoning biblical truth for, for empty philosophies. I was just astounded. I think I've related this in a Bible study I taught. I was astounded to see a church leader in Des Moines. I, it was quoted in the Des Moines Register who said, you know, this Bible, you've got to take this Bible and you've got to interpret it by today's culture. The culture must interpret the Bible. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. Now you've got a moving target. The culture is here today, but next week it's there, and next month it's over there. Where is ground zero? Folks, this is ground zero. You don't interpret, you do not take culture and say it now interprets the Bible. This Bible interprets culture. And boy, oh boy, does it ever do a good job. If we just read it, if we just look at it, if we just understand it, if we if we just say to God, God, give me a heart that seeks after your truth, that desires your truth, you're going to find ground zero right here. And it's not in some kind of a floating kind of a target that I'm going to shoot at here and shoot at over here. No, it's solid, it's steady, it's there. And I know where I'm at. I can open the pages of this book and I can read it and I can say, this is where I this is where I'm at. Or, with me anyway, I don't know about you. Usually the Holy Spirit says, this is where you need to be. And what's preventing you from getting there? I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it seems like a lot of times when I open up this word, God's saying, look, 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 look. You know, you've been veering off into this corner and this thing, get back over here, get in line. And if we're smart, we'll say, yes, sir. And God will help us. I, I appreciate singing that song this morning. I am a friend of God. God's not upset with us. God knows that we have a frailty that's built into our life. God realizes that he rescued us out of sin. And yet the enemy still has an influence in our life. I'm not saying we're possessed or anything like that. Don't get into that stuff. But I am saying that we can be swayed, even the best of us. And I need, I need this word. I, I need today. I need to get in here with my friends and worship God. I need to hear from the word and let that word penetrate into my life. And I need to, something I said last night, I need to tune my heart to what God is saying. Amen? Tune our hearts, saints. Tune our hearts. Tune my heart, Lord. Where's uh, Scott Devereaux? He's out chasing people on this new highway. Oh, there you are. It's open now. <laughs> yes, it is. I don't know whether they do this anymore, but Scott, I did a ride-along one time. And this has been a number of years ago. And I sat down, buckled in, and everything. It was my friend Rich. And this is in another city in southern Iowa. And before we moved the car, he started the car, he took a tuning fork out and went, you know, went ding. And he was tuning the radar. Now, I don't know if they do that anymore. They're probably the radar is far more sophisticated today. We do. See? 
There you go. You know why? Why? You tune it so it will be accurate. You don't just roll out on the highway with going over bumps and river tracks and everything else. Everything gets jumbled around. And, and so we shoot the radar on Kevin here. And Kevin's doing about E. <laughs> oh, you said he, yeah, he was this morning. Huh? <laughs> see, see, I know that Scott comes to church with the radar on. So, but, but really, Kevin was obeying the speed laws. He was, a, he was a good Christian, and he was 55 miles an hour because he loves God. And, and, and everybody said, amen. Ooh. <laughs> that was kind of a fading amen there. But see, now, when, 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 when you tune that thing up, now we've got accuracy in that. And folks, I want accuracy in my heart, don't you? I, I want my heart to be tuned to God. I don't want it to be tuned to CNN or Fox or anybody. I, I, want it to be, I don't want it to be tuned by the latest uh, cultural fad and phase and stuff that's going on. I want, it to be, I want it to be tuned to God. And boy, I'm telling you, I don't know about you, some days I struggle with that. I'll be honest with you. Some days that's a, that's a fairly steep hill to climb. But I want to be, t I'm not going to give up on it just because the hill got steep. I want to be tuned to God. Because I know that that is the best way that I can find favor with God, that I can bring honor to God, is if my life is tuned to God. And that's what Paul's talking about here in Colossians. And he's saying a whole lot more, and I, you know, that I've got time to share with you all of this stuff. One of the great passages of the Bible here is in verses uh, 9 and 10. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You are complete in him, the head of all, <clears throat> of all principality and power. You know, for a lot of years, and, and I think this is still, there's truth to this yet today. For a lot of years, Christianity seemed to consist of a list of things to do and not to do. And if I, and it seemed to me like the list of the not to do things were longer than the to do things. You, you follow me on that one? It seemed like that was what, that's how Christianity was. If you do these, do these, do these, and don't do these, you're a good Christian. And I am glad that Paul writes to us in here. And he helps us straighten that thing out. Christianity isn't a list of things to do and not to do and stuff like that. Religion cannot produce faith and happiness and fulfillment and contentment into your life. The gospel is in that way. We begin with Christ, but it's also a matter of growing in Christ. I've got a great beginning, but I've also got a great opportunity of growth in my life. I want you to have that one, every person in this room, every young person, every mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, I want everybody to say, I, I want to continue my growth in Christ. I'm not going to just stop right here and say, I've leveled out. And I'm just happy to be right here and I'm going to kind of pull up the easy chair, sit down, kick back, and everything. I don't want to, I, I don't want you to, I don't want you to engage in that kind of thinking. I want us to grow. I want us to develop our faith and our confidence in all that God does. Obviously, you can do a lot to do. 
to help yourself in this area. It's not all that hard. You, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? You know what I'm going to say. Read your Bible. Get into the Gospels. Find out what Jesus is up to. He's always up to something. I guarantee you, you can take the Gospel or Mark and read chapter 1 today, and you're going to discover after you read just chapter 1, that's all you have to do, you're going to say, I didn't know that. You know why? It's not your fault. It's something that the Holy Spirit does, and he takes a handful of little words, a phrase maybe, and he just causes it to explode off the page. And all of a sudden, it's right in your head. And, and, and you're going to be one of these people that says, I read this a hundred times, but I never saw that. Well, actually you did see it, but the Spirit of God just got a hold of those words in your heart and your mind, and he put that thing and made it just alive in your heart. God wants to be your dwelling place. Janet, would you return, please? God wants to be your dwelling place, dear friends. He's not interested in just kind of the Sunday morning, here's an hour and 15 minutes. He's not interested in just a weekend getaway, and I have nothing against those. Those are great. He wants you to be under his roof. Have you ever heard of the phrase that God wants you to be his BFF? You know what that means? How many don't know what that means? I just said something. You don't know what that means. You all know what that means. Really? I had to ask about a week ago. You guys are way in front of me. God wants to be your... Oh, boy, if I muff this up, I'm done. We're going to say amen and I'm leaving. God wants to be your best friend forever. Amen? That's what he wants. I want to be his best friend forever. And when we go through the thick and thins of life, when we go through the ups and downs and all of these things and all the bumps and all of the hazards and all of the things in the corners that we can't see around, I want my best friend. I want to be dwelling in his place. I want to be under his roof. I want his address to be my address. That's what I want. And I believe God will help us to do that, every one of us. My prayer this morning, God, give us the intensity of a hunger in our spirit to desire these things. He wants to be, God wants to be your sole reference point for everything in life. Let me close with this word from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. The words of Jesus, verse 23, it says, If my people love me, they will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them. Look at this. And we'll make our home with them. Look, he says, look, you just obey me and follow me in my teaching. And I'm going to come to you. He doesn't say, you have to come to me. He says, I'm going to come to you. And he says, we, we. Who's the we? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The fullness of God comes to me because all I need to do is say I just want to obey you. 
And what if I don't obey? What if I stumble? What if I trip over my own two feet tomorrow afternoon? Does that mean God says, okay, you're, you've had it. Step aside, buddy. Sit on the bench. No. you got to understand this. God says, you are complete in me. My completeness is in God, not in how I perform. Will I learn from that trip that I made Monday? Well, I sure hope so. But he's going to strengthen me and he's going to help me. And he's going to allow me to grow. You know, when our kids are growing up and they were little, just because they fell off the bike didn't mean that we threw the bike away. We just said, you need to get back up on it. Learn from your mistake. What did you do wrong? Figure it out, and we'll help you. And I remember our kids. Sometimes we would run alongside of them, kind of steadying them. You know, you know how that goes. And then pretty soon, you let go, and they got it. They got the hang of it. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to run alongside of us until we get the hang of it. And then he'll show us other things. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for today and for today's church service. And Father, thank you for the wonderful music that we've enjoyed this morning and the fellowship and all kinds of things going on in the church and the joy of the Lord that, that is obviously, it's very easily to sense. Thank you, Father, for the word of God. The, this, this is a word that gives us guidance and direction. It's a word that lifts us up. It's a word sometimes it even corrects us. Oftentimes it does. But it also gives us comfort. It also gives us a, a wonderful broad assurance of the amazing grace and the work and mercy of God. So Father, I pray that you'll touch people's lives today. Father, if there's somebody in here that just uh, uh, just feels like they're out of breath with life. Struggling with issues or whatever it might be. Father, I pray that you would just uh, come right alongside them. In fact, Father, remind us, Jesus said, I will come alongside you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come right along by you and bring you comfort. And so we thank you for that.